Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning. It is Thursday, March 4th. You're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, but that does not matter for today's episode because it is a recruiting Thursday. Yes, a new thing we're trying out this offseason where I surrender the College Football Daily feed just for the day and let Blair Angulo and the rest of our star analysts on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast take it from there. Enjoy. Hey, what's up? It's Andrew Ivins here with the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I am once again filling in for my man Blair Angulo, who's on vacation. No idea where he is. Hopefully it's somewhere fun as we gear up for a busy camp season, summer season, rankings, and all of that. On today's podcast, I'm going to talk with national analyst Bud Elliott. Me and Bud are going to talk about the state of recruiting in the state of Florida. Sunshine State usually produces a number of talented recruits, and the 2022 cycle is no different. We're going to discuss how Florida State's doing, how Miami's doing, how Florida's doing, and just a broad overview of what some of the strengths are, maybe where some of the weaknesses are in the state. You know, when is Alabama going to come and get their guys? And we're going to take a look at all of that. So we will get into that with Bud on the other side. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Join now, fellow man in the Sunshine State, Bud Elliott. Bud, how you doing, man? Ivan's doing well, man. Glad, glad to be back on the show and hope Blair's having a good vacation. I know. I'm just running and uh, test driving it out, but, you know, guest, guest spot. You know, maybe I'll become a regular. I, I, I don't really know on this podcast, but hey, me and you got a busy weekend coming up. I know you, I think you're coming down for the Under Armour camp in Miami. Is that correct? I'm just so happy we can go to go to like full on camps again and, and, and see all the talent and everybody feels pretty good about traveling. So I'm excited. It is nice to get back out there and, and kind of make the rounds. And I have been doing that over, over the past few months. And, you know, I'm not like one to complain about wearing a mask or anything like that. I mean, I absolutely get it uh, at these events. Those are kind of the protocols, but it makes it really difficult to like identify kids because, you know, normally you only see these kids from their 24-7 sports headshot or something on Twitter. And then you're like, I know this kid, but I can only see his eyes. And I'm sure they're saying the same thing about me. So it's just, it adds a different element to uh, camp season. 
sometimes you may not want to wear the polo that that says twenty four seven on there because then you get all the parents come up talk to you that maybe you don't necessarily want to want to have your time monopolized by. But like now you have to do it because they have to be able to ID you. I know. You know. I know. I that's that's an, that's an old trick I've I've quickly developed. Don't wear the shirt, then you won't be approached by people you don't want to talk to. But you know, you you kind of need to signal who you are. But but I wanted to get you on the podcast. You like you said, Blair's on vacation and talk about the state of recruiting in the Sunshine State. Every, I don't know how often you do it, but normally you produce a, a, a Sunshine State scorecard. I haven't seen one yet for this 2022 cycle, but I feel like one's coming. But before we even hit it record, you were kind of explaining why you've held off in terms of creating one. Yeah, so the, the scorecard for if if y'all aren't familiar is just this this piece I started doing back in 2012, and it just looks at how good of a job are the in-state schools in Florida, which in our opinion is the best state for football in the country. How good of a job are they doing at keeping the four and five stars from Florida in the state? And I just kind of tracked it and looked back really all, all the way through the recruiting rankings history back to 05, and then each year I kind of tracked the race to see who's going to do the best job recruiting in the state. And, and in recent years. Ivan, the, the trend has not been good. Uh, and I, I take time to curate this thing. So we, we pull out all the IMG kids who are from out of state and are likely to return back you know, to, to their native area. But man, last year, only 37% of four and five stars from Florida stayed in Florida. That's the second lowest we've ever had. 2015, we had 35%. And if you look at it as like a, a four-year average, you know, the last four cycles, 42%. That's our lowest ever. So there's some factors we can get into or not get into, but kids are leaving this state. The best kids are leaving this state more often than ever before. And the reason I haven't done done one so far this year yet is just the the slow pace of recruiting. I, we're, we're, we're working on our, our updated rankings today after this after we record this. And we're like, man, I, I hope I have some verified numbers on this kid. Has anybody seen this kid in person? It's all it's all tape so far. Or if you've seen the kid in person, it's, it's, it's a nice bonus. Schools are even at a bigger deficit in some ways because they haven't been able to get on the road or host camps at all. And I think for that reason, a lot of them are kind of reluctant to take commitments right now from kids they've never seen. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of factors in, in that are in play here. The ability not to see kids is definitely one of them. I cannot tell you how many conversations I've had in, in recent weeks where a college staffer will reach out and be like, hey, have you seen this kid? And then they just want to pick your brain because they know that you've seen them in some, some type of setting move around. And I, they're like, hey, is he is he 5'9 or is he 5'11? Uh, and you can answer that question. So I think that's part of it. You know, I think kids in the Sunshine State are different than other parts of the country. I mean, most of these kids down here, they grow up and the kid down the street from them took five official visits and, and then chose his his school. So I think all of them are kind of holding out hope that they'll have the ability to eventually get out on the road and make a decision. And I think I saw yesterday our West Virginia site, they actually reported that the Mountaineers have lined up two official visits for that first weekend in June. So I guess West Virginia thinks, you know, that, that May 31 first date for, for the dead period. They don't think it'll get pushed back again. I mean, I mean I'm personally in wait and see mode. So I, I think the lack of visits is part of it. I do think some schools like Miami and Florida, and, and you can probably speak more on, on Florida State, are, are starting to save more spots for the transfer portal. You know, they don't want to take maybe as many risks as they had in the past. And that's contributing to all this. But the bottom line, when you look at, you know, the top 25 kids in the state of Florida, I think right now, only four of those guys have made commitments. Actually, I'm sorry, five. So five of the 25 have made commitments. 
So a lot of guys are just still on on the market. And I don't think it would be like this in years past because we would have had some junior days. You know, some guys would have got face-to-face, sat in Dan Mullen's office, sat in Manny Diaz's office, uh, met face-to-face with Mike Norvell. And I think that normally leads to some commitments. But right now, I mean, we were just kind of crawling along. And Ivan's, if you take and expand it out even more, I mean, just if you keep scrolling down on this and you pull out the IMG kids who we know are, are, are from out of state, it's only two of the top 38 have made yeah. commits. I mean, this is this is really crazy. A lot, a lot of these guys are are waiting. To your point, I, I, I think you make a really good one there that schools are looking to use the transfer portal more. And one thing that I'm interested in tracking this cycle, we, we, we spoke about this a couple shows ago when I was on with Blair, but... For the 2020 or for the 2021 season, your super seniors, right? The guys who get the bonus year due to COVID, they don't count against your 85 scholarship cap. But all the schools expect that going forward, 22, 23, 24, they will. So you're going to have a roster crunch issue right there. And I think a lot of these schools are going to be a little bit more more conservative with their spots because they don't know how many of these super seniors want to come back and how many they actually want to allow to come back. I also want to see. I think some teams may use the transfer portal heavily one year and then less so the next. I think it might be cyclical. So, for instance, I know that Florida State wants to go really heavy high school this year because this is the first year that the new staff will be able to get out there and see these kids in person. And they feel like, you know, last year they did kind of like what you're what you're talking about with Florida Miami there to a, probably a greater extent. It took nine transfers. Right? They only t- signed, what, 15, 16 high school kids. I think this year they're going to go high school heavy. It's interesting that you think Florida and Miami may go a little more portal heavy, and we'll see if if things do go kind of, all right, this year the staff decides to take a lot of high schoolers, next year they take transfers, and then use that to sell playing time, right? I know Florida State is telling kids, hey, we only signed 15 high schoolers last year. We're signed nine transfers. You're going to have maybe not first-year playing time, but very quick playing time if you can earn it. You bring up Florida State, man. Um, they are off to – quite the start in that in that 2022 cycle over the weekend landed a commitment from five-star athlete Sam McCall I wrote about how him and, and Travis Hunter the five-star corner they have committed are like two guys from a data point standpoint that we just absolutely love in terms of ball skills like you, when you look at them and, and and given what we know we think they're NFL guys but there's other guys that are committed to Florida State they're getting things rolling in, in 2023 even 2024 they just picked up a commitment I guess, you know, since we're talking Sunshine State recruiting, like what is Mike Norvell selling? Because, you know, year one didn't really go as planned for them and it it was bumpy at times. Yeah, they they had to to really scratch and claw just just to get to three wins last year. I I think they're selling basically last year was a year zero. Hey, I've I've run an exciting offense at at, at Memphis. I think on defense, their defense wasn't very good last year at all. So I'm guessing they're just selling, you know, Florida State's history on defense. Some of this is good scouting some of this is luck getting travis hunter who i think is the best non-quarterback in the country i mean there's a pretty good argument that he could be the best receiver and the best corner in the nation and i actually had a guy from florida state tell me he would start for them this year if he could just skip his senior year of high school they think he's that good right now which is crazy but then you put it on the tape and it's like all right yeah he grew up a huge florida state fan his family is from Florida, and occasionally you just get a guy like that. They had that with Derwin James, right? Just Derwin gets a, a Seminoles tattoo at the end of his freshman year in high school. Sometimes you just luck into something like that. Additionally, lucky here is that Hunter is really personable and was recruiting McCall 
And you know, like for them, it's not often that you are a three-win team and you get a kid who just is absolutely in love with your program, knows your program's history, you know, can rattle off names, you know, like Samari Roll and guys who played in the 90s who, you know, weren't Dion and, uh, you know, weren't Cromartie. So let's be real here. Marcus Woodson did a good job with that relationship. Certainly the DB coach there, who Florida State, who was at Auburn. But also it does help that the kid grew up a huge fan of the program. Sometimes that really helps. Hunter helped with the rec- with the recruitment of McCall. That surprised me, man, to be honest, because Blake and I, Blake Alderman of our Florida site, both spoke with him at the pylon seven on seven at the end of, of January. And he gave me three teams and none of them were the Knowles, yeah. right? It was... It was Florida, who he, he had just decommitted from when, when Tory and Gray, the defensive back coach, left. It was South Carolina, where Gray now is, and Gray's a really good recruiter you know, in the Polk County area. And it was Alabama. And his Twitter handle is what, Bama Boy? Or, yeah. or My thought was, okay, if Bama pushes for him, probably a wrap because his family's from Alabama. And I don't know. Bama kind of recruits at its own pace. As we saw last cycle, they can kind of decide to come into the state and push when they want to push. But somehow Florida State got in there and, and, and got him – Got in quickly. I think Hunter was a big part of that, as well as you know Odell, uh, Higgins, and, and Woodson. Nigel Kelly, kid down by you there at Dillard, that's just somebody they had a good connection on and found early. They think he's like a top 100-level guy. We, we don't we don't disagree with him that much. I mean, what, what do we have in one? Probably 130. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're pretty high on, on, on a guy like that. And then you know they've used some of their out-of-state connections fairly well from, from Norvell's time at Memphis and, and his time recruiting the Mississippi you know schools and whatnot with, with Quincy McAdoo, who they're fairly high on from Arkansas. And then they, they get a legacy in Aaron Hester. And there are t- more legacies that they could land, in theory, in this class. They, they feel like they're in a good spot for Marvin Jones Jr. Long way to go on that, obviously, but a, a five-star defensive end from, from your neck of the woods down there. They like Hester a lot, by the way. I, I think Hester is probably a guy that is like a better college projection than an NFL projection, but can be a pretty useful college player. And then we'll see what happens with Armella, the the offensive tackle. A lot to unpack there. I, yeah, I sorry will, about I, no, it's, it's good. I will say, like, it's funny. As soon as you brought up Travis Hunter, essentially Florida State thinks he could reclassify and play right now. Like, that is not, to me, a stretch in any ways. I remember Tony Grimes, from who was supposed to be a member of this cycle, reclassified and enrolled at North Carolina. And I remember I was watching the Orange Bowl. I'm like, is that Tony Grimes out there making yeah. a play? And we think Travis Hunter is on a different level than Tony Grimes. So I can see that. Talking with Bud Elliott, I'm Andrew Ivins, talking Sunshine State recruiting. So Florida State's off to this this fast start. I mean, we can get into whether that it will be sustainable or, or, or what happens, but I just want to compare it to maybe what Miami and Florida are doing right now and just how this pandemic has changed things. This time last year to the day, so March 3rd, I went back and I researched all this. Miami had 11 commits All right, in that, in that 2021 cycle. They had 11 prospects committed. Four of those guys don't end up signing with Miami. Florida had 12 commits Six of those guys don't end up signing with the Gators. But the point I'm trying to bring up is like in normal years, like both of these teams would have a ton of commitments. And right now Miami has two and Florida has two. Just kind of reading the tea leaves or or just asking around. It doesn't sound like Miami or Florida are in much of a rush to make decisions. How much of that do you think is related to the forced it kind of hit the ground running and that they didn't have any position coaching changes in the offseason. How much do you read into that? Well, I, that's exactly what I was going to bring up. You know, you, you touched on it at the beginning of the podcast, or actually, I think it was when we were off air. You talk with with guys that recruit this state, the state of Florida, you know, down in Miami, over in Tampa, up to Orlando, to Jacksonville. The general consensus right now 
is that it's a down year for skill players. So tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, like it's 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 really, really down. And where is the strength of this class? Where is it absolutely loaded? I mean, I wrote about this last week on 24-7 Sports, the defensive line. You know, we had the most guys in, in the top 247 ever from the Sunshine State that play defensive line. And you just talk with some, some coaches, they think it's loaded at DB and loaded at linebacker, right? So where did Miami and Florida have a bunch of coaching turnover on the defensive side of the ball? You know, Florida changed two of their DB coaches. Miami had a full defensive staff overhaul, essentially, you know, three or four guys, linebacker coach changed. So I do think that is kind of making an impact in all this. You know, you talk to kids at camp, seven on seven tournaments, they're like, I don't really know who the coach is right now at, at Miami. And that's not, nothing is wrong at Miami, but when there's so much turnover, I think it's hard for kids to kind of associate, okay, this is the coach that I should be talking to at this school. So, you know, maybe this is just more of a case of Miami and Florida haven't had their enough time to kind of sink their teeth into the guys that they want. I think that's for sure true. That They're also going to get verified numbers coming out of this Under Armour camp this weekend, right? And, and I, I think that th- this camp this weekend that we're going to go to will have an impact on recruiting in this state because we know we're going to get some verified numbers. There are a lot of these guys, linemen especially, who we have not seen in person in, in over a year. I mean, there's a lot of the camps got canceled last year. Many of the seven-on-sevens got canceled due to the pandemic. And if you didn't get out to that specific high school, you didn't see them. And these coaches certainly haven't seen them in person. So I I think they're very interested to see who grows, who has grown in the last 18 months, probably everybody, who grew (laughs) a lot, who reshaped their body. And then, man, there are absolutely going to be dudes out there. You're like, who the hell is this kid? We we had that at at Pylon 7 on 7, that... The, the Wyatt Sullivan guy, and I don't think he's necessarily a superstar player, but he just got his first offer the other day. Never even played football before, and he's out there making a bunch of catches. I was like, hmm. But it just shows you new kids do emerge every year, and I think this year they will emerge from out of nowhere even more so. I want to ask you this question, kind of circling back to to the the state scorecard. Do you think we're in year two of the pandemic? I, I know Miami in that 2021 cycle, which would be considered that first year of recruiting, you know, they did what many would consider a better job of keeping kids home. Do you think we're going to see more kids stay in state or do you think we're going to leave? And I, I ask that because, look, man, Alabama has come down and got what they wanted over the past really three years. I think they've taken 13 kids. I know some from are, are from IMG Academy. But most of those guys are actually Florida natives. And right now, Bama doesn't have anyone from Florida. So you would have to think they're going to come pick and choose which guys they want. But you know, do you think we see a trend where more kids stay just because they can't get out on the road and take those visits? Or do you think we'll see our, our usual guys crossing state borders and, and going in other parts of the country? I think that we are probably a, a, approaching a, a bit of like a critical mass. It's just really hard for me to think that what's next, that seven out of 10, four and five stars leave the state. I just don't think that's going to happen. I mean, Miami did a really good job last year recruiting the state. They project to have a very nice season on the field this year. Florida might be a little bit down this year on the field, but still it's it's hard. Dan Mullen typically doesn't lose more than two, three games. He always kind of on the field, at least punched above his weight class at Mississippi State. So they they shall they should have another good class. Florida State didn't carry its weight at all last year on the recruiting trail in state. So assuming that they continue this bounce back to some extent, and I'm not convinced they keep all the guys who are, are, are committed to them right now, but there's also a decent chance that some of these four stars who they're after overplay their hands and it comes down to, you know, more of a FSU Miami battle than not that they win that, but you know, FSU Miami battle as opposed to like FSU Ohio State or FSU Alabama, you know, like some kids may have their top fives in. I, I think we'll see a little bit of a bounce back in the state this year. 
I think the pandemic does make it like once camps open up, it may be a little bit easier to find out about dudes in your own backyard. And I think the relationships are probably stronger with these staffs being another year in the state. So I, I don't think we're going to have 63% of your four and five stars leave the state again. That was that was pretty crazy. And then there's also, I don't think UCF is ever really going to be a threat, at least in the time we're doing this job, to take kids from Miami or Florida, state of Florida. But there's a decent chance that you know maybe they can land a four-star or two. Malzahn's pumping a lot more into that recruiting operation now than, than Heibel was. I agree, man. Like To me, the UCF, it just was puzzling. I mean, I know they, they claimed a national title. They ran this electric offense. And over the past like five years, they've signed two composite four-star recruits. And like, yeah, you're right. They're not going to go head-to-head with Miami and, and, and Florida and Florida State. But you're telling me you guys can't beat out Indiana. And I know Indiana recruits the Sunshine State really well. But, you know, one of these mid-tier Power 5 programs that's in another part of the country, I mean, that was always kind of puzzling to me. And and look, since Gus has been inter- introduced, you know, he's gotten some guys out of the portal. And I think over the past two days, they have literally gone down every, they went to 247sports.com, hit find four stars, and they offered like literally every kid in the country uh, in, in every class. Like, I mean, everyone has UCF offers and I love it. Like that is the complete opposite of what the mentality has been in Orlando. So it'll be interesting to see. One last kid, because you brought him up that I do want to mention who I think will be one of the more fascinating recruitments in the Sunshine State for this 2022 cycle is Marvin Jones Jr. You mentioned he has ties to Florida State. You know, his dad is is Shade Tree Jones, was a first round draft pick, 10 years in the league with, with the Giants. Am I, am I wrong there? Yeah. And there's, I mean, Marvin Jones Sr. was the best linebacker in Florida State history. Even over Derek Brooks, especially if you look at the year before before he, you know he busted his knee up. I mean, like you don't see traditional linebackers as a Heisman finalist, right? Yeah. Like that. That's just it's absolutely crazy. He, he was just that much bigger and faster than everybody. He went to what North, Northwestern, I believe. Yeah, and his son is is just freaky, right? I mean, his son's a six four, two hundred twenty five pound pass rusher, converted wide receiver. He's at American Heritage in Fort Lauderdale. That school is going to have heck. I think three or four guys drafted in a few months in that April NFL draft. But, you know, so a lot of people are thinking Florida State because dad went there, but mom also went to Miami. And then I think the SEC just really doesn't know about him yet. Like I mentioned, Alabama doesn't have anyone from the Sunshine State yet. I think he's someone that they could kind of circle as a guy they want. So to me, his recruitment will be fascinating in terms of when we talk about this Sunshine State scorecard. Like, is he a guy who's going to maybe end up at a Miami or a Florida State? Or is he going to go ahead and, and play his football somewhere else because we've seen kids from his same school go and do that. I mean, Pat Sertain the second, he he uh, went to Alabama out of American Heritage. Tyson, Tyson Campbell, Campbell, yeah, he went from, from Georgia to American Heritage. Anthony Schwartz, American Heritage to Auburn. Like, is he a guy that's going to leave or is he going to stay back home? Because I think... You know, that's kind of the gist of your, your Sunshine State scorecard. Like, can in-state programs keep kids home? I think you're you're exactly right. That's going to be a fascinating battle. And he's one of these kids, you and I are both 100% in agreement, like, like everybody's going to want, right? Like, Bama's right. going to want him, Georgia, LSU, all those schools. Even though they've offered, like, are they pushing yet? Like, are, are they getting up there on visits yet? I think that has a chance to potentially go the distance and be one, one of those real kind of make it or break it recruitments. If you're Florida State, that's one of the things you have to show a lot of improvement on the field I think like if you go five and seven, you're not going to get Marvin Jones Jr. You probably don't keep Sam McCall if you don't make a bowl game. If you double your win total from last year and have the ability to also say, look, a lot better than we were last year, three wins, six wins, you know, like like if that's the pitch. And then you also have playing time to sell. 
then maybe. But I, I still don't even know if, if that gets it done, right? Like you probably need need to to comfortably make a bowl and, and have the bowl game not not be in doubt and also you know, be a little more competitive in some of your games. Like that's huge. I mean, Miami, like you said, I I didn't realize his mom was a Miami alum. Like that's that's big time for them. That's the scoop I bring to this podcast. Yeah. yeah. You know, someone someone told me that. I was like, wait, what? I mean, I've already told uh, Pat Sertan Sr., uh, who is the head coach at American Heritage. Like, I, I fully expect that recruitment to go the distance. Earl Little Jr., who's a top 247 corner there. Jacoby Spells, a top 247 corner. And they got a bunch of other guys. Like, I already told them, I'm like, hey, come December, January, you know, I'm probably going to be here every other day. And he's like, that's fine. You know, I'm just planting my flag. Like, this is, this is the IMG of the Fort Lauderdale area in terms of recruitments. All right, so let me ask you a question about recruiting for this year in, in this state. I'm scrolling down our recruiting rankings for the receiver position in the composite. And I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. And I know we already brought this up a little bit. We don't have anybody in the top 20 receivers nationally from Florida. We have Ariel Knighton at 21, who we personally have at 40 well, nationally as, as far as receivers. He's already gone pro. He's, he's going to run track. He's one of the more interesting things. You know, we, we really liked him. He's a fast kid, but, you know, he's so fast that he's, he's gone pro. I mean, I'm getting, I'm getting coaches asking me like, hey, where are the receivers in the state this year? I mean, the, the next one on the composite is, is Greg Gaines at 41st receiver nationally. Nationally, we have him as a 55th receiver nationally. I mean, we like Amarion Brown, 35th nationally for us, 44th on the composite. Do you think somebody else, like other dudes, are going to emerge, or do you think it's going to be the worst receiver year in the state of Florida in our lifetimes? Well, I think guys will always emerge, but I, I, I do think there's, there's a chance, man. I, and I know I can sp- speak to, to Miami recruiting wise, like they're looking at receivers in, in the northern part of the state and even up in Georgia, and it is kind of like puzzling to me i mean not to circle back again to alabama but i think alabama's taken a receiver out of florida each of the past four or five recruiting cycles i mean heck they took what three last year jacory brooks christian leary and aji hall I don't even think there's an Alabama caliber receiver in the state right now. It's just, so it's, it's certainly dried up. I do like the Jaden Gibson kid though at, at, at West Orange up there, right in your backyard in Orlando. He's a six, six receiver, but yeah, it's, it's certainly different. I, I went ahead and crystal ball Gibson with a, a low confidence rating in Florida. They've done a good job recruiting him. They, they have a need at the receiver position this year. And I believe both his parents uh, are alums, right? Although I, couldn't find his dad on, on, on the Florida roster. Thing, <laughs> yeah, so. he does have ties to the Gators, but I, I had the same issue. I was looking for dad. I, I think dad walked on at some point. I, I I don't know when, but he says that, you know, he's keeping things open. So we'll see. That'll be another interesting one to track. Miami's in there, Florida in there. That's a battle as well. Bud, this was fun, man. I'm looking forward to hanging out with you on Sunday, I guess from a distance, right? We got we to gotta keep our distance, but we'll have full coverage from the Under Armour camp in Miami, from my understanding, like this thing is going to be loaded. Like they are only doing one camp in the state. So the best of the best are going to be there. I'm, I'm already freaking out about it now, sweating, trying to figure out who I need to interview and, and who I need to see. Let's hope and pray we get that roster today, man. Like this, this Miami roster is always one to go through. It, it, it takes it takes a while. All right, bud. Thanks for coming on, man. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.